You're listening to Radio Influence. This is the Valor Hour on Radio Influence. Your weekly glimpse inside all things Valor Fights and a look at what's going on in the rest of the MMA community. Now, here's your host, Tim Loy. Welcome to another edition of the Valor Hour. I'm your host, Tim Loy, joined, as always, by my co-host, Justin Watson. We got Jeff Hobbs back in the house again tonight as well. We're coming off of a big UFC 257 pay-per-view. It was disastrous for yours, truly. We're going to recap um, that here just a little bit later. Uh, Before that, we're going to chat with one half of the heavyweight title fight we got coming up next weekend at VFC 78. That goes down next Friday night. February the 5th from the world famous Cotton Eye Joe. We're going to be talking to the pride slayer, Jesse Romans, as he gets ready to challenge big CJ Baker for that heavyweight strap. Gentlemen, um, well, before we get too far into uh, the UFC 257 talk, since that's what we're going to talk about in our main segment, uh, Justin, uh, overall thoughts before we get into it uh, on uh, this past whole fight week, uh, fight island week. You know, we had three three shows. We we went over uh, you know the first two last week, and then we capped it off with uh, the the biggest offering, of course, uh, Saturday night. Yeah, I think it was. You know, all three, you know, fairly good cards. Um, the Saturday Saturday night card, obviously, capping it off was amazing. It was a crazy uh, week for underdogs in general. If you were playing dogs on the lines, you were making money like crazy. I wasn't one of those people, but um, the money was out there. No doubt. Jeb Hobbs, um, it was a rough week for the both of us. For a lot of people out there, I have a feeling the books made a lot of money um, on uh, the, the MMA return in 2021. Yeah, it, uh, it it spooked me. Like, I haven't placed a bet since this weekend, since Saturday night on anything. Because, uh, yeah, I took an ass raping. Um, I just... Uh, yeah, it hurts, man. <laughs> it hurts when it's it, one of those things I that mean, make you just second guess yourself moving does, forward. Man. You know, it makes you. Just, it hurts your soul. Uh, <laughs> is you know the only advice I could give anybody was like before you place a bet, ask me what I did and yeah. and do the complete opposite. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. <laughs> do the complete opposite. Um, yeah. Uh, some news and notes uh, as we uh, get ready to get Jesse Romans on the line. We've got some of uh, the upcoming dates. We've got some uh, some uh, events to announce, of course, with Valor. Of course, uh, we've got Valor 78, the aforementioned event uh, coming up next Friday night. So that means next week's picks panel. And as well, we'll dive into a man. It's a big card. It's a it's, a, it's a, going to be a long one. Uh, then uh, after that, we've got um, a busy March, man, March the 5th. Will be Valor seventy nine, uh, also at the world famous Cotton Eye Joe. Uh, originally meant to be a pro am, but unfortunately we had to change that to an all amateur show uh, due to another promotion squatting on that weekend. So uh, we will be having an amateur show March the fifth, and then the very next day we're going to truck it down to Chattanooga to a Gogi Combatives, and we're going to have the first ever Hydra Cup. So that's exciting. Uh, that is going to be a co promotion between Valor with Primal Combat and the Alabama Fighting Championships. We're going to do um, a quartet-themed event there at the new Agogi Gym. Super nice, super big. And uh, it's going to be uh, your four-man teams uh, in elimination style, similar to the quintet, but this is a quartet. 
and the winner will get the first ever Hydra Cup to display at their gym for their victory. We're also going to do an eight-man combat uh, jiu-jitsu tournament that night with a uh, 175-pound max that's open to all levels. $100 entry, 1000 cool bucks to the winner. Uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, stay tuned for information on that card as we start to roll that out next week. And then April the 2nd will be the next big show. That'll be uh, another big pro show at the Joe April the 2nd. Uh, followed up by May the uh, May the seventh, we uh, will be back at the Joe, and then May fifteenth down to Chattanooga to the Camp Jordan Arena for big pro am. So the spring is looking like it's going to be plenty busy. And uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and get our guest for the evening on the line. We've got the challenger for the Valor Heavyweight Strap. He's going to be vying for that title next weekend. That's Friday, February the 5th, Valor 78 for the world-famous Cotton Eye Joe in Knoxville, Tennessee. We've got the pride slayer himself, Jesse Romans in the house. What's going on, Jesse? Hey, not much, man. Just taking a couple of minutes out uh, from training to come talk to you. I've been working super hard. Awesome, man. I'm uh, I'm excited to hear that. I appreciate you taking a few minutes to chat with us here this evening. Of course, uh, I assume us being about a week out from the show. This is uh, would be your proverbial hell week. Um, yeah, to an extent. I mean, honestly, not to sound cocky or anything for this fight. You know, the game plan is pretty simple. So just been putting in a lot of hard work. Um, trying to make sure, you know, I don't have any training injuries when I go into the fight. So honestly, I've been training smart, but training very hard. Awesome, man. Of course, uh, for our listeners out there that are not familiar with you, this is your first time on the show. Let's, uh, before we dive into the fight, let's, let's give them a little background on yourself. Uh, you know, uh, you know, kind of your, uh, you know, your background in, uh, MMA. What sure. Kind of yeah. I, um, I basically was 380 pounds when I was 18 years old. I walked into a jujitsu gym in Georgetown MMA and, uh, you know, they invited me to come back at 6 PM that evening to do some jujitsu and, uh, you know, little tiny 130 pound dude took me down and tapped me out and I immediately fell in love with the sport. Um, you know, here I am five or six years later fighting at 205, you know, I'm moving up uh, for this, t- uh, fight specifically, but you know, I'm super excited. I fought it super heavy and heavy for a long time and I feel right where I belong. I feel amazing going into this fight. I fight out of triple crown MMA in Florence, Kentucky under Jeff Johnson and Tyler Hampton and Jordan Sullivan. This will make my 15th bout in my amateur career and my 10th MMA fight. Man, it's uh, that's a lot of experience, and I'm really uh, just a crazy physique change. So you, t- you said you were 380 pounds, and uh, I yep, mean, sir. you look like a put together 205 man. You, you've really done uh, something uh, noteworthy. That's a uh, very commendable and a testament to your hard work. Um, yeah, I definitely you, I feel great going into this fight. I didn't have to cut any weight, so I'm going to show up a nice jacked 220. You know, I feel good. Now, of course, uh, training there at Triple Crown, those guys have been, uh, you know, really showing out here on the Valor scene as of late, showing off some really good striking, especially in the kickboxing mm-hmm. match. Last time we saw you, it was a Muay Thai fight uh, against a very yep. tough Jonathan Mathis from Nick Martino's gym. Mm-hmm. And, and you really came out there and showed out uh, really uh, just a, a more a showman on top of being just a badass fighter. You really... Yeah. Kind of, kind of get the crowd into it. Coming out to the immigrant song, I, I can dig it for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely. Um, so I have Scandinavian heritage, of course, and 
you know, I feel like um, being proud of who you are is a good thing. And, you know, I, I love my history and I love my roots. And, you know, I get into it when it comes to that song specifically. You know, it says we come from the land of the ice and snow, from the midnight sun and the hot springs blow, you know, hammer of the gods. And that's how I feel. I go into battle. Um, I'm sure you noticed I like to uh, make some uh, verbal sounds at my opponent before the fight. I like to scream at them in German. What I say to them is, which means the world snake Jormungandr trembles at the sons of Odin. And I, you know, I really, I really enjoy what I do, man. I, I'm, I enjoy coming down to Knoxville. My whole family comes there and watches me fight. And it's an amazing time. Every time I come down, whether my teammates are fighting or I'm fighting. Of course, joining us uh, also Jeff Hobbs on the line, the voice of Valor. He's uh, he'll be uh, out there calling you out there uh, to that immigrant song. Uh, Jeff, what you got for Jesse? Well, I'm just not getting acquainted with Jesse. Uh, you know, I don't have a lot of background on, but I have done, uh, you know, I've done some creeping, if you might, if you will. Um, and so, you know, a couple of things stood out uh, while I was kind of looking at your background. And um, mm-hmm. one of them is um, you seem to have one of those women at home that really supports your career and seems like uh, oh man, is a huge uh, part of this journey with you. And, uh, tell me a little bit, tell me a little bit about that. Sure. Uh, so she's actually hanging on to the kids right now. I chat with you fellas. Um, my wife and I met when I was 18 years old. Um, I turned 28 this March. So, you know, we've been courting for 10 years or so, been married for two. Uh, you know, she was with me when I was at my heaviest and, you know, that was when we had met. And since the moment, you know, I started training, she's always been so supportive. I've also had issues in the past uh, with alcohol and drugs, and I got clean and started training instead. I became addicted to getting better instead of being addicted to staying where I was, if that makes any sense. And along the way, she's done nothing but motivate and push me. And honestly, I have something that a lot of people would die for, and I'm very thankful. God has been very good to me with her. So, th- so this isn't just your journey, you know. This is this is no. both of your journeys. It is what it sounds. Yep, and like. my three children, they they motivate me more than anything. I recently uh, quit working full time to focus on training full time because even though I'm at the amateur level, I have absolutely no plan on staying here. You know, I want to go to the UFC. I want to go fight in glory. I'll fight any person they put in front of me. You know, if it advances my career, and she's right there with me and believes in me every step of the way. What I like to do when we do these interviews is, you know, you guys mm-hmm. talk about fighting 24-7, okay? This is what you do. Sure. You live, eat, breathe, sleep this. I like to talk about other things, man. And one of the other things that stood sure. out was your artwork, your drawing. <laughs> you know, is yeah, this something I, that, that you know, you like I said, you live, eat, breathe, sleep, mm-hmm. fighting. Is drawing something that, that you've always used kind of in your downtime to kind of get away from that? So, is, that your, is that your escape? I, I mean, without sounding cocky whatsoever, because I try to be as humble as possible, I've always been great at art. So I actually also play six instruments. And I, when I was heavy, I always had to find something to occupy my mental space. And whether it be art, whether it be painting, um, whether it be doing even tattoos for a while, uh, playing music, sculpting, all these things I've always used to kind of put expressions on paper. And martial arts is just another step to that whole process to me as a person. And two, sometimes, you know, when you're on the mat and you're training hard for four or five hours and then you come home and you just can't sleep, you know, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm aching and I just can't go to bed. My mind's racing. 
And the only thing that really helps me sometimes is maybe to go pick up my guitar, maybe to go pick up a canvas and paint. And I could definitely see myself, um, you know, making a, a future out of it. Earlier today, I had another person that uh, bought one of my paintings and then is commissioning me to do a real big painting for them. So in a weird way, you know, my fighting is developing my brand. I'm, I'm also moving into merchandising and trying to get Pride Slayer merch out. So I, I'm dipping my hand in a little bit of everything. But mostly I would say that, you know, God pushes me to do any kind of art that's in front of me. I think ultimately I'm an artist. Well, I think over the years I've, uh, uh, Tim, you know, Gene Click was somebody in the past that. Uh, oh, he's uh, awesome. Yeah, had some really cool artwork. So I'd like to collect uh, mm-hmm. when I meet fighters and people in this game who uh, who do draw on the other side. So I may be hitting you up, uh, getting an original piece. Yeah. Uh, I've still to this day I have a picture of Spider Man that Gene Click drew for me that I I framed for my son and it's on his wall so uh, I'm probably going to hit you up and uh, and that get would a piece be awesome. from him. I would love to do something for you absolutely I would love that I love doing superhero pieces um, I've kind of been on a fit with uh, superhero women lately for some reason people like it when I include a little cleavage in the drawings but right, maybe right. we can leave that out if it's for a there's child nothing, there's <laughs> never anything wrong with a little cleavage Tim yeah, back to you man. I think Walter would even appreciate that. My son would definitely appreciate that. Yeah, unless it's my cleavage, right? Yeah, right. So let's move on to this fight, man. You got C.J. Baker in front of you. It's a tall drink of water, to say the least. Uh, Oh, yeah, absolutely, and I'm uh, very thirsty. He's a he's a big dude. You've you've not shied away from the challenge at all. A lot of guys don't want to fight this guy. He's six foot seven. Uh, he's undefeated. He's uh, he finished every guy that he's been in there with so far. Now the last time he got drug out a little bit deeper, uh, maybe he showed a little bit of holes in the cardio. But if I know CJ, that's something he's probably going to be working to shore up. Talk a little bit about this matchup. Sure. You know, you're a guy that's been in there with really tough guys. Uh, you know, as, as far as strength of uh, strength of schedule goes, I think you know you've been in. You've already been tested. You've already been in there uh, yeah. with guys that that are really tough pro level guys. Uh, you know, CJ uh, has had a little harder time getting guys to step up to him. So uh, you know, sure. for him, you are arguably, I would think, yeah, probably not arguably, his toughest challenge. Absolutely, and uh, especially when I show up there, you know, I've. I'm super hungry. I try to stay as active as possible with COVID. That's been an issue. Another thing about the size is, you know, one of my best friends is an NFL lineman. I train with big dudes. There, there's been days where I've been the shortest person by a head in class. And, you know, if I've got guys like that to train with and they're a California state champion wrestler, not to take anything away from CJ, because to be honest, I'm respectful and I'm going to respect his power, but I really don't feel like he's going to do anything with me. You know, and obviously that's not how all fights turn out, but I just prep for it. I don't, the size doesn't really do anything for me. I feel like I'm going to be a lot faster. Um, I'm 40 pounds heavy or 40 pounds lighter than him. And I feel great. I've fought super heavy before. This isn't anything new for me. And then even one of the clips that you had, you guys had used for the promo video earlier was me fighting a dude who was 330 pounds. You know, I had an opponent pool two days beforehand. Um, you know, and then the only guy they had was a super heavyweight, and I gave up 100 pounds for that fight. You know, ultimately, fighters fight, and that's what I'm there to do. I love the attitude, man. So, you know, uh, it, it's I was going to kind of ask you, uh, you know, do you have anybody to to give you those looks, uh, you know, with the, that, that kind of reach and, yeah. and that kind of size? Mm-hmm. I wasn't familiar with that many heavyweights coming out of Triple Crown, but apparently you have found a good sparring partner. Oh, we've got all kinds of guys. I mean, another thing, too, is I don't want to only train with big dudes because then I'm going to be slow. So we get a good look here of different guys. Alex Redman, um, you know, is one of my best friends in the world. He gives me looks for fights, and 
You know, you can look up his stats if you like. He he's starting right guard for the Bengals. Um, I think he's on practice squad now. His uh, contract went up, but he started you know two years for the Bengals. Um, six foot six, three hundred thirty pound California state champion wrestler. Uh, can cling and press 330 like it's nothing and, you know, can sit and box 20 rounds with me. So as far as I'm concerned, I've been hit hard. Um, I've been tested. I'm ready to perform. I, you know, I, and another thing too, spiritually, I'm a Christian. And the thing is, you know, the Philistines brought their giant and said, Hey, uh, you know, do you have anybody who can challenge him? And David stepped up and in the entire Bible, the one person that I've related to most is David, and not even particularly from that passage, really later on in his life. Right here, I felt like it was an opportunity. You know, I, I try to fight 205. Heavyweight isn't necessarily my district, but when you offered me this fight, God shined upon me and said, do it. And so I'll be there. Outstanding, man. So, you know, I know we've already kind of talked about you, your long-term goals in this thing to go all the way as far as you can. You have seen or, you know, you also want to get into to kickboxing, pro kickboxing. How far away are we from that, from that, uh, from that turn? Would you say that to 2021 uh, is, is going to be the, the year the prize player goes pro? It's all up to my coaches. I mean, you know, without necessarily disclosing mine in your conversations, uh, you know, a professional career is certainly within grasp. But, you know, when it comes down to it, my coaches, um, I trust them with my life. And if they tell me, hey, Jesse, we want you to fight. 50 more people at the amateur level, I'll do it. Fortunately, that's not the, that's not the prospect, but I, I would say the next, the next year for certain taking a pro debut. And then for the big leagues, you know, we're looking pre 30. I, I turned 28 in March and I'd, I'd really like to start blasting some people as soon as I can start getting some money for it. Um, you definitely got a, good, a lot of things. You definitely got a good uh, fan friendly style. That's going to lend to uh, early, early success. I think in the pro levels, once you uh, kind of get, uh, get your record rolling, uh, you're the kind of guy that I think will get that opportunity. And, you know, that does hinder me sometimes. When I first started, I took some really tough fights. You know, anybody that would offer me a number one contender title fight, I said, hey, let's go, baby. Um, you know, and maybe that not have been the best idea when I first started training. But, you know, now I'm in a legitimate gym, spending legitimate time with legitimate people. And all that equals to is legitimacy in the cage, if you will. Well, hey, man, I'm going to let you get some shout outs where they're due yep. before uh, before we let you go. Anybody you want to give some love to training partners? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, I got, a, I got a couple people for sure. First of yeah. all, I want to thank God. I want to thank my family, my wife. Um, I want to thank Bell Smoke and Barbecue for really going ahead and believing in me for this and helping me get my merchandise rolling. Um, if anybody wants to buy a shirt or a hoodie, please check out Bell's, uh, bellsbarbecue.com slash shop and pick up your own Pride Slayer gear. I want to thank all my coaches, Jeff Johnson, Tyler Hampton, Jordan Sullivan, uh, Elisa Hampton. All these people have put in so much work to make sure I'm better. And I just want to thank Triple Crown in general for getting me so ready for this fight. And thank you, sir, for the opportunity. Of course, man. And, and before we let you go, let our listeners know where they can follow you on social media and keep up with your career. Absolutely. Please follow me on Facebook at Jesse Pride Slayer Romans. And then please follow me on Instagram at Pride Slayer underscore MMA. I really appreciate anybody that takes the time to do so. One more time. This has been your number one contender for that Valor heavyweight strap going down next weekend at Valor 78 from the world famous Cotton Eye Joe. That's on February the 5th. Uh, you can get your tickets at fighterticks.com. Make sure you select Jesse from that drop down menu so he gets credit. If you can't be there live, you can catch it on pay per view at vfcmma.com. Thanks so much uh, for your time, Jesse. I'll let you get back to training, my man. Absolutely. Good luck next week. I appreciate you, brother. I'll see you next weekend.
All right. Thank you so much to Jesse Romans for joining us. Uh, Jeff, man, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a war. We've only seen Jesse in our cage one time. Big knockout over a, a tough athletic Jonathan Mathis. But he's that guy. He's that guy that's out there with his hands down saying, hit me. He's screaming. Uh, definitely brings a show. And it will probably be, well, you know, in my opinion, the first guy that really kind of brings it to C.J. Baker. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I know you're saying sometimes you have a hard time finding people to fight CJ, but there's something about CJ. He seems to have, I don't know. I don't know if it's just wolf tickets. A lot of guys say they want to fight CJ. Maybe they don't, you know, come through, but I don't know. There's just something about CJ that still seems beatable to me. You know, this is, I don't know what it is. Uh, it, it may be the cardio. It may be how gassed, you know, we've seen him. Uh, if he goes a little late in the minutes, uh, but this guy sounds like he might be the guy to do it, man. He, if he brings it like you say he can bring it, this might be the guy. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, man. I'm excited for it. And, uh, you know, both those guys on the verge of turning pro. So we're getting a, a nice little kind of mini uh, pro-level fight here, uh, along with four other title fights next weekend. Uh, the 125 title on the line, the, uh, Kyle Linder taking on Hawaii Perez. We uh, talked with Hawaii Perez last week, so uh, go check that out if you haven't already. And then, of course, uh, the 145 title, Andrew Sturdivant taking on Joel Winters. The 170 titles on the line, Carter Beekman defends against Samaj Portis. And then, of course, uh, rounding it out the 205 title on the line it's been a minute since we've had a lot of heavyweight champion we're going to crown one tristan scarborough taking on torres finney uh mega prospect out of a gogi so uh with that guys let's move on to uh the recap portion of our show here it is uh ufc 257 and uh man it was something else it was uh the the main card was was pretty exciting with fights it was one of those cards where i was losing uh and was beginning to to get intoxicated by the end of the evening to where uh it was all just kind of uh, in hindsight just a, a bit of a surreal experience uh justin uh we watched uh, this bad boy together justin came over to my house and uh and we uh we checked it out uh i was back and forth with uh, jeff hobbs all night too and uh it wasn't going well for us let's go ahead and uh we'll kick it off uh with uh, the early prelims uh that we had a lot of decisions man early uh, before we got to the main card, it was uh, Decision City, and uh, Amir Albazi gets the uh, the opening win uh, over uh, uh, Zumagulos, uh, Zalgas Zumagulos. And uh, then after that, we had Nick Lentz uh, taking on Emoev, uh, uh, Mavzar Emoev, who uh, was a very heavy favorite there. Uh, I was starting my evening out okay because I was on Albazi. I was on Emoev, even though uh, Lentz gave him a very, very tough fight. Uh, any thoughts on these early prelims, Justin? Yeah, man, I think, you know, both these guys were um, thought, you know, Albazi was not such a big favorite, but uh, both, you know, Albazi and, and Ivalov were, were expected to win, and uh, both, of, both of them got a matchup that um, – they gave him all that they they wanted, so you know, gave him some time to get in there and and get a feel for the cage. Yeah, no doubt. The uh, prelims, uh, the uh, all the I guess you would say the prelims on television uh, were up next. Pretty decent little lineup here, and uh, that's when my my night started to really derail. Marcin Pragnia, big uh, minus, uh, or I guess he was about plus three hundred underdog. To Khalil Roundtree takes unanimous decision win. That is that began to destroy my parlays for the evening. After that, Juliana Pena uh, with a bit of a come from behind win with a, a rear naked choke over Sarah McMahon and. 
there was a little talk going into that one. You know, Sarah's wrestling so good, but when she gets in a bad spot, she's liable to break, and she sure did as Juliana Pena gets a third-round submission. Brad DeVaris with a unanimous decision over ACJ, Antonio Carlos Jr. I'm on the wrong side of that one as well. And then the uh, main prelim was cobbled together at the last minute when we had two two guys that were off the card. Um, Matt Frivola originally to take on Otman Azatar. Azatar uh, booted from the entire company after he has... <laughs> A henchman scaled the wall of the hotel to deliver a mysterious bag, uh, and uh, they caught it on camera. He ended up being uh, booted from the card. Armin Sikurian uh, ends up with a unanimous decision win over Favola after his original opponent, um, Nasrat Hakparast, uh, fell ill and was unable to compete. Um, Jeff, anything on these prelims stand out? If anything, uh, what was in the bag? I don't know. It's a million dollar question. What was in the bag? Uh, it's probably all the money I lost on this fight car. Yeah, so no doubt, man. It. I don't know. Well, you know, you go back to the early, early prelims. I mean, the evil off, you know, I, I almost threw up in my mouth when that decision was getting uh, called. Ooh, uh, yeah. But then you, uh, scary. yeah, that, that split, I was already scared. But then, like you said, you get into the round tree fight and uh, I, I, I was, I was a little nervous, but I, I still felt like, the judges might give me a chance on that one, and uh, that didn't work out. So it was just full-on vomit right then at that point because I had Roundtree in every single parlay. So, um, you know, I had to regroup at that point because now it didn't matter what the hell happened the rest of the night. All my parlays were gone. Uh, McMahon and Pena, this was the first time I ever dabbled with uh, the live betting and trying to watch as the the round progressed, how the uh, the line changed, and you know going into uh, the first uh, intermission in between the the first and second, I felt uh, I really truly felt that McMahon uh, had the first round won, and um, so so I dabbled a little bit in the live betting, and then as soon as the second round. Uh, kind of flipped and Pena got her in a bad spot just watching that those uh those odds just just barrel down and just I, I knew I was gone at that point uh everything just went to shit at that point uh Carlos Jr that was a tough one for me as well uh I don't know what the hell was up with uh, ACJ on that one man uh it was just bad. It was bad all around. Tell you what, let's not forget. Did Nick Lentz retire after that after that bout? I believe I read this week. Oh, I don't know, Justin. Do you hear anything about that? Yeah, I think I'm, I, I think I saw that. He just said that he was, um, you know, he was Something here with to, his to eyes. Get, yeah, he he had, he had like his bad surgery, and he wanted to come back to see if it was going to be if he was still going to be able to compete with it or whatever. And he wasn't happy with it, I guess. He fought pretty well, really. Uh, I, there's plenty of guys he'll beat out there. That's for oh, sure. Yeah. Tough dude. Uh, main card, once we moved on to the pay-per-view portion, and it sounds like the ESPN Plus uh, uh, took a shit for a lot of people out there from what I'm hearing. I know that there's been, I've been reading posts of people getting refunds uh, from, from, uh, the, the site crashing. And so the speculation out there, I guess, was that, uh, you know, Dana made the threat to these, uh, guys that stream, uh, the illegal streams and they, uh, might've just said, uh, you know, we're just going to hack right into y'all shit and <laughs> shut it all down. Who knows? That's complete speculation. Uh, leading off the main card, Marina Rodriguez with the upset win on short notice over Amanda. He was, that was, uh, another real bad one for me. I had, uh, <laughs> 
see, after things started going south, I, I, I began to go on tilt, as I'm apt to do, and trying to scramble to make my money back. I start making new parlays for the main card. And yes, Amanda Hebus is keyed in on all those, too. So uh, those are blown uh, immediately. I thought the first round she was looking pretty good, but uh, Marina in the second round caught her and heard her standing and ends up getting that uh, finish. And we knew it was going to be uh, really tough action on the feet, Justin. Yeah, that was, um, <clears throat> you know, kind of what I kept saying going into it is if, if he was could get her on the ground, you know, it was pretty secure. But if if they were staying on the feet, it was going to be dangerous. And Morena basically had to knock her out twice. Herb Dean kind of, I don't know if he tried to get a closer <laughs> look or what. He kind of got in too close and Morena Rodriguez backed off and let he was up. And he was like, no, nah, I didn't call the fight yet. So they then she had to do it again. Um, guys, Rodriguez is a beast, man. Is she yeah. not? She's, I mean, she is she's nasty, nasty. Man, on, on the feet. I told Tim going into the fight, I was like, man, this is a scary one because he is a massive favorite, but in, in this girl's world, he is not going to be able to, to hang with her. You know, she's it, just, it's just, not, it's just kind of expected that he is going to get this to the ground and that's not going to always the case. I think Rodriguez initiated the first takedown. Yes, she did. And I'm not, I'm not embarrassed to say guys, I, I forgot who Rodriguez was when I placed my bet on Hebus, and then when I saw the you know the lead in to the to the entrance, and then I saw it, I I immediately said, "Oh shit!" Because then I remembered that last fight of hers, because uh, I think she fucked me on that one as well, um, and I I knew I, I knew I was screwed at that point because I you're right that girl is nasty. She's got bad intentions when she fights. Up next, it was Mahmoud Muradov with the uh, second round or third round. I'm sorry, third round uh, TKO over Andrew Elderte Sanchez. I, I got that one right for what it was worth, but it was a little too little too late. Uh, Muradov is uh, with the money team. He's the, he's the first Floyd Mayweather managed MMA fighter, so they're high on him, obviously, and he, he's got the goods. Perhaps Joanne Calderwood gets a unanimous decision win over Jessica I. Um, that fight was uh, a little less than thrilling, but uh, went about as I expected it to go. Uh, Jeff, anything on uh, either of these two? Nah, like I said, I mean, the Sanchez fight was good. Uh, Calderwood, like you said, is about what we expected. You know, Calderwood is technical, but I mean, there's, I, in my opinion, there's just no power there. Um, the I don't know. You're watching that. You're listening to the commentary team talk about, you know, uh, her getting a title shot. Yeah. There's no way that I, she's going to take a beating, you know, uh, there, she doesn't, there's just nothing there. She's got nothing for the champ. I'm telling you. I would agree uh, there for sure. It, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, it is what it is with her, man. I, I hate to say that I'm glad someone loses, but Man, she's like sandpaper. Uh, it, she's just she's tough to, she's tough to like, you know. <laughs> uh, so for me, it, it just couldn't have happened to a better person. You know, uh, we were they were talking about uh, Calderwood getting the title fight had she beaten Jennifer Maya, and Maya pulled the upset and got the title fight herself. Uh, Justin, anything here from uh, Calderwood that makes you think that she would be competitive uh, at the very very top level? No, I mean. I think it was a, a decent showing. You know, she kept the fight where she wanted it. She was able to control the range well and, um, you know, landed some front kicks to the mouth. And, uh, you know, her boxing looked pretty good. But like you said, I mean, she's a flyweight. She's not going to have, you know, crazy knockout power. Um, but I think, you know, 
she's she's a she's been around for a while and she can give a lot of people problems. She probably will will stick around as kind of the gatekeeper type uh, for this division. I wouldn't it wouldn't shock me to see them throw her into a title fight just because she's has been kind of a company player, you know, and um, she's you know right there at Syndicate uh, near the UFC headquarters, training at the PI all the time, knows all those people really well. Um, and so sometimes it's more of who you know uh, than what you've done. But, you know, all she has to do is just win a couple of fights. I mean, it's a, it's a very shallow division. And so, you know, anybody who can can string together two or three is right there in line for a title shot. But I agree. I think it would be a, a disaster. She would, she would get hurt really bad in that fight. Co-main event. Now I think business starts to pick up. Now, I'll, this is a fight that I kind of rode the fence on. I'll say, you know, on my um, – on my on my shows like uh, on this show or with the show with Vince Ferrara on our radio show I was on Michael Chandler uh and 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 called Michael Chandler for the win but then like whenever it came down to like the nitty-gritty and I had to put my money where my mouth is I ended up losing it on Dan Hooker uh so uh Michael Chandler with a knockout um over uh, over Dan Hooker and makes a an immediate splash in that UFC a lightweight pool Jeff uh, yeah, man, this, you know, we talked about it, like you said, uh, the week before uh, our thoughts on this fight. And we, we all agreed that, you know, this was a horrible first matchup for Michael Chandler. Um, but, man, did he show out in this one. Um, I, like you said, it's one of those where you got your, your your heart and your brain and they tell you two different things. You know, I really wanted Michael Chandler to do well. was really rooting for him. But, you know, if it came down to put my money on it. I just thought Dan Hooker, I thought it was his time. He's he's way too dangerous. Um, but Chandler, I don't know. The only word that comes to mind, he bullied him from the get-go. He, he really bullied him and, and stalked him down. And um, it, it completely threw Hooker out of sorts, out of his game plan, out of sorts. Uh, and, uh, you know, just hats off to Michael Chandler, man. You know, part-time Tennessean now. Uh, you know, part time or uh, part gym owner here in Nashville, and uh, you know he gave uh, he gave his uh, his students and his uh, his gym members uh, here in Nashville a lot to cheer about. And you know what was exciting to me, or what was uh, not exciting? I'm sorry, wrong word. What was interesting to me was after such a dominant and impressive win, how quickly though he was dismissed by you know Poirier and and others. Uh, after the show that, uh, you know, he's not the next, you know, in line, he's not going to be the next opponent if they have anything to do with it. And they still feel that, uh, he's got way more to prove in, in the company. Uh, I think career wise, I don't know what else the guy has to prove. Um, you know, that's, that's like, you know, drafting a, or not getting a trade in the NFL, uh, just cause he's new to your team. Uh, it doesn't mean he's not going to get to play. If he was a superstar on his other team and he's put in the work and he's put in the career, uh, you know, I, I I don't really get dismissing him as a possible opponent for Poirier because um, I'd love to see it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Justin, your thoughts on this? Uh, you think Chandler did enough to be uh, immediately up there in that talk or uh, does he need another? Uh, he blew me away. I, I didn't think that he had a shot, honestly, in this fight. I thought that Dan, it was Dan Hooker's show to steal basically he was wasn't really getting the attention and um the style matchup i thought was perfect for him some things were not necessarily in his favor he's got you know a lot of 
uh, outside the cage. I think there was a lot of things working against him. His coach, head coach, wasn't there. Now that he's taking this loss, you know, he knew going into this fight that basically for a month after the fight, he wasn't going to be able to see his daughter. And so part of that, you know, he has to be riding on you going into the fight like, man, my coach isn't here. I'm not going to see my kid for another month after I get out of here. And, um, but ultimately, Dan Hooker, like you said, I mean, uh, Michael Chandler just bullied him. Like he push kicked him, shoved him back. Dan Hooker didn't know what to do. He kind of froze in the moment. Um and Michael Chandler blasted him and then stole the show, you know, with the, with his post-fight interview was yes. flawless. You know I mean? Yes. That, it was absolutely flawless. And I agree. I said to Tim, I said, I, you know, there's no way you skip Michael Chandler um, for the next title shot. Until I started listening to Poirier and them, and I, I do kind of understand that, you know, I think if he would have been – champion in Bellator and came over as Bellator's champion and came right into a title fight. That's one thing. Um, but for Dustin, if Dustin gets to make the call, where's the money at? You know, it's like you say, he, he, he said Nate Diaz or Connor, like Nate doesn't deserve to be fighting for a title, but that's not always what we get. Um, and so Dustin has been a company man. He's been with the fight or with, with, with the promotion for a long time, 19 fights, I think uh, with the, your 19 wins with the UFC and, if he gets his say, you know, I think he, he would rather take um, a trilogy with, with Connor or um, the Nate Diaz fight just because of the money, you know. Um, and but for do somebody we really like think him. he's got that say? I mean, what do you guys think? Do you really think he's got that say? Yeah, I think if, if he says if he says I want Connor for the title, I think, I think yes, because of the money. Like, it's going to be. I think the only way Connor doesn't get it is if, if he refuses to do that, you know. I think well, if Connor's I think if, on the shelf now for six months, possibly. Well, yeah, yeah. but I, it, yeah. that won't be the case. You know, like he'll get cleared. It's based. It's just based on his leg. He didn't go to sleep or anything, but he, he'll be able to. He'll get the leg. I've, I've heard a couple of things from his coaches and stuff, and they're saying it's, there's no structural damage. It was, you know, just shut the nerve down basically. And um, but they're looking. They want to do it before before summer. They're talking about May. Uh, for that fight, and I, what I'm have heard is that Michael Chandler—they're talking about Michael Chandler and Justin Gaethje, maybe even cult, coaching uh, Ultimate Fighter against each other. Now that I'd be in for, I think that would be, be good TV, and it would culminate with a great fight. Uh, I think real fan-friendly fight. Uh, main event, of course, uh, the aforementioned Dustin Poirier gets that win, big upset win. This is where the tra- the train just went all the way off the tracks. For me, uh, I already had Connor, of course, uh, parlayed in on all the parlays that were blown. And uh, so at the last minute, I just go <laughs> balls to the wall <laughs> on Connor by finish. Um, just thinking, you know, this is what's going to pull me out of uh, the ditch. And we we just went further down. Dustin Poirier, second round, uh, TKO over uh, the notorious one. Big upset. Bookies, good Lord, you know the bookies made a lot of money on this one. Uh, Justin, I'll go to you first. It was insane, man. Um, you know, I, I, was, I kept saying Dustin's not just somebody that you're going to walk through. You know, like he was ranked number five in the world when they fought last time. He made a simple mistake and a land a punch landed early in the fight. Uh, but if the fight goes on, you know, Dustin's pretty durable. He, he hasn't been knocked out like that. He's taken a lot of shots. He's been in some wars. He was just in a in a war with Dan Hooker where he, he had, you know, eight plenty of shots that would have put guys to sleep. Um so I think is, you know, probably not losing that weight, being a little bit heavier, uh, may maybe 
increase his durability a little bit, but, um, you know, he went for the takedown. Connor did well to scramble back to the cage and, and work his way up in the clinch. I, I think Connor was probably stronger there. He was definitely landing the much harder shoulder strikes. They were going back and forth, swapping them out, but um, there was a, a very obvious difference in power uh, between the way those shots were landing. Uh, but then ultimately, you know, we've seen it a, a few times now. This is that uh, catching that shot and that perennial nerve in your in your calf. Um, it gets shut down and he they didn't allow him to take too much damage um, once Dustin landed and saw that he had him compromised badly uh, Dustin's boxing was just phenomenal um, you know flawless uh, to get the finish Jeff Hobbs yeah I mean I, two things stood out to me in the fight one um, I made the comment to uh, I had a friend here you know watching the fights with me and one of the things that stood out was uh, before the bell sounded, you know, uh, to start the fight, I said, it, something's off with Connor. Like something just doesn't look the same. And it was just his routine didn't look the same. Um, you know how he's usually crouched down, you know, in, in the crouching position before the fight. He's, he's looking at his opponent and smiling. He, he takes the, the low crouching John Jones steps to the center. It was almost like just a, his, his routine was off. Uh, it just didn't look look the same. And I don't know if uh, you know it was a change in training, a change in attitude. Uh, I, I don't know. Just didn't look the same to me. Uh, getting ready to go in and, and do battle, and maybe it's the difference between bad guy Connor and good guy Connor. We had good guy Connor to the lead up to this fight. The the respectful Connor, the the humble Connor, the the huggy, you know, compliment your opponent Connor. And I don't know if that. That changes your edge, you know, if that changed who he is and what made him a part, a, a part of what made him successful uh, was just that edge. And Poirier's made the comment. It, I didn't feel like a Connor fight to him. It's, he didn't feel that Connor aura that we have all felt for years and, and how it felt the first time they fought. Uh, so, you know, personally, I wonder if uh, if his change in attitude and maybe it's just his maturity has changed the way he has changed that edge that he's always had. Uh, but I thought Connor fought a really good first round. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if yeah. I were judge, if I were judging, I gave, I would have given Connor the first round. Uh, I think, uh, his, his clinch work, his cage work, uh, up against the fence, uh, controlling up against the fence in the clinch. Um, I thought he was picking his shots well and landed the harder shots. Um, but again, those little things that, you know, you just see watching the fight, um, you know, the buddy of mine was like, he's not really checking any of those kicks, and he's trying to just eat them and walk through them, which it's worked in the past because the fights have never gone on long enough, or no one has been able to stick to that, you know, that game plan and really eat away at them. I just didn't watching the fight. I didn't realize that they were doing the damage that they were doing. Um, but man, when that second round came around, uh, Poirier just poured it on the man once he got him in a bad position. Uh, he let his hands fly, and, you know, rope-a-dope doesn't work against the cage, uh, you know, like it does sometimes against the, uh, the boxing ropes. There's there's not really any give there, so you're not roping or doping too far. Um, and, uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, it was a good fight. You know, maybe not the outcome that I wanted or, or who I was cheering for um, as, a, as a mark or a fan, but uh, you can't help but uh, recognize and, you know, love a good fight. And it was a good fight because 
like I said, I had Connor win in the first round, and I thought he looked good in the first round. Uh, but unfortunately for Connor, it's not a one-round fight. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I had him win in the first round. I had him winning, honestly, up until the tide changed. It felt like, you know, thinking back in my halfway inebriated state, it felt like it was really only about a 30-second span of time that shit started to really go south, and it just really went south fast. Yeah, that's the comment we made. He's winning until he wasn't winning. Yeah, you know, he yeah. was winning until he didn't win. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, yeah, you know, uh, for me, it was uh, a rough win. Like I said, I, I don't know, man. I, I think that, you know, hindsight being 2020, you know, I was, I felt real confident that Joanne Calder would pick, you know, the, the, some of those picks, I, I really should have just gone heavier on those type fights instead of trying to get cute with things. And I can only hate myself uh, ultimately for putting myself in the position to depend on Khalil Roundtree of all people. That's what I say. I can hate Khalil Roundtree. That's who I can. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it's kind of, uh, it's kind of, one of those things where uh you know one thing i found is that when it when i'm gambling on uh, mma versus nba or nfl or something like that i tend to just completely go on tilt so much easier and i don't know if it's because the fights are just happening so quickly and so you know you're busting parlays and you're trying to regroup and, and the fights are happening every 30 minutes but man, like i i get complete i i consider myself a somewhat responsible gambler i i do this every day and i and i stay a nice steady uh, pace. I don't let myself ever get too crazy uh, betting on normal sports, but with the UFC, man, it is like a complete 180. And, you know, looking back at myself, it's disgusting at the lack of self control. Yeah, feels so dirty. Yeah. Yeah. It feels so <laughs> dumb more than anything. I'm, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed <laughs> myself. Well, there's no UFC this weekend. So we should maybe, in theory, get a reset. That's, that's what I'm kind of hoping is that, like, we start all over uh, with the weekend after next. And, uh, you know, with it being a Valor weekend, I'll probably still be trading a little bit lightly. Uh, man, that's going to do it, guys. Uh, we will uh, rendezvous back here next week as we get ready to do our picks panel and preview for Valor 78. It's a big card. Be along. One, so uh, you know, strap on your uh, your headsets for that one. Uh, thanks, guys. I appreciate you guys uh, for uh, recapping UFC 257 with me. Also, thanks to Jesse Romans for joining us ahead of his title fight next weekend at Valor 78. Uh, be sure uh, to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening. Uh, follow us on our social media, and we will see you guys next week. We're out. I'm Jerry Petock, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. Radio Influence.